Welcome to season three premiere of Conversations of the Heart. I am Terrence Tillman, aka T Till, um, and we have a, a special guest, esteemed guest, uh, Mr. Sylvester McNutt III. Um, he is a nine-time author, a speaker, and he is also the host of the Free Your Energy podcast. Um, and he has just released an incredible book called Loving Yourself Properly. Um, he has been so gracious enough to to stop in here um, and to have this particular conversation uh, surrounding boundaries, healing, and creating safe spaces. And we're going get, to get into all of that, but I just want to say thank you and introduce um, this incredible guest, Mr. Sylvester III. Thank you. Yes, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, um, so be, before we dive in, just kind of tell um, the listeners um, more about yourself, where you're from, um, what got you into writing um you know you're very popular on instagram you have amazing quotes um so just tell me just a little bit about you um and what you do and where they can find you yeah so i began writing as uh, a curiosity um you know growing up in a family system where i had my mother and father in the home and they were both very loving and smart and very disciplined and they expected a lot out of me and my brother and sister uh, you know, it was a great home to grow up in until um, alcohol came into play and they became alcoholics. And obviously, when you tell a story like that, that transition, there's a lot that goes on in that transition. And that transition for them was, you know, their late 20s, early 30s. That transition for me was me being a kid <laughs> during my childhood. And so the consequence of their transition is I got to learn a lot about uh, trauma, <laughs> trauma, um, uh, abuse, love. You know, it's interesting. We we talk about generational curses, you know, but there's there's more than that. There's generational curses and there's generational blessings mm-hmm. and opportunities, you know, and you get both. You get both. The degree to which you get both varies, obviously. And then obviously how you respond to the degree of them is, you know, dependent upon you and your personality, perspective, and mindset. And so for me, when it happened to go from a home where it's full of love, I remember being in the in the park with my with my dad and you know, running the kites and chasing geese and playing football and basketball with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember playing cards with my mom and just having this like beautiful connection and relationship with her. To have a a family structure where it's safe and there's love and there's harmony. And then to have that shift to the total opposite, for me, it just sparked a question of why did this happen? Mm. You know, and at a young age, preteen, you don't have the capacity to understand. But I had the capacity for the curiosity that existed inside of me. And so I turned to writing as what we call a coping mechanism. It was a coping mechanism to help me get off of my, my chest, the thoughts and ideas of the observations that were going on in my home. And so that was the origin. And it just, it honestly just evolved from there to what it is today. Wow. That's amazing. Um, and I encourage everyone to go out and, and please get his latest book. Uh, I got it. You know, it's called loving yourself properly. Um, it's an amazing book. Um, and you'll learn a lot from it. Um, you probably get emotional from it. Um, you know, and a lot of people will be able to relate to it. So definitely just go out there and go pick that up. And where can they purchase this book? Uh, Loving Yourself Properly and all my other books can be found uh, on Amazon. Um, mm. There's an audio book that I recorded myself, which was an interest, interesting journey um, because mm. as I was recording the audio book, I got COVID in the middle. Whoa. And yeah, so it was 
it was funny. I, I didn't have COVID at any other point during the pandemic, but <laughs> right when I had to have my book deadline, <laughs> I had to record the audiobook. That's when I got COVID. Wow. So, you know, I had to get through that. And, um, you know, also on my site, my website is sylvestermcnutt.net. Everything is on there as well. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so one of my favorite um, so far, because I mean, you know, I'm, I'm still going through your book, but one of my favorite excerpts from your book is about boundaries. And you say like, if you have to set boundaries, one of the best phrases you can use is no, I do not accept that. And another one is I cannot help you. Uh, having clear boundaries helps you be honest to your capabilities and limits. Having boundaries is all about self-love and self-respect. Um, and I thought that was very profound because a lot of us, you know, we have problems setting boundaries, right, with people, especially, you know, family. You know, there's a lot of guilt there. You know, I can't say no to family. Um, I have to go to this event. I have to go to that event. I have to help this person and that person, right? And I find that in a lot of situations, it leaves us kind of depleted in a lot of ways because we kind of feel forced to kind of answer and be there for everyone, right? sometimes at the, the cost of ourselves, right? So so when it comes to boundaries, how do you even start, right, going about setting boundaries? Because when I have conversations with people, they're like, man, how do I even go about setting boundaries with family? You know, because that's so close. You know, with other people, it could be a little bit easier, but with family, it's just like, I don't know where to start. Well, the first thing we have to do is just detach from the story. Because the story of us not setting boundaries is the reason that we're not doing it now, currently. So we have to detach from our, our prior self, our past self, and just see ourselves as this present version, who we are today in this moment. Mm. And what you are in this moment is a person experiencing an inner conflict. And that inner conflict is you want to set a boundary. And maybe we don't even have, maybe boundary isn't the language that works for you. Maybe it's you just want to be honest. Maybe you just want to speak up. Maybe you want a closer connection. Maybe you want more integrity in a relationship you have with mm. someone. Or maybe for you, it literally is you need a boundary. Okay. And so what we have to do is recognize that in this present moment, we have a present inner conflict. Now, here's the question. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm just going to ask you this question. Who is going to solve your inner conflict? And when you ask yourself that question, there is only one possible answer. It's not your mom. It's not the guy at the, the bodega down the street from you. Okay, there's nobody else in this world who will solve your inner conflict with the exception of, you know, if we're asking a toddler, you know, because then a toddler is going to turn to their parents because right. that's the parent as a caregiver, that's their role. But if we are talking about a full-fledged, capable adult, the answer is you. And so you have to ask yourself, okay, am I willing to take my power back? Am I willing to reclaim my life? Mm. Am I willing to step into my wholeness? Because every single day that I make a choice to ignore what I'm feeling, to ignore what I'm thinking, to ignore my intuition is telling me, hey, this does not feel good. I need to speak up on this. And I choose to ignore that. I am choosing to minimize myself. I'm choosing to minimize my power and my voice. And what are the consequences of that? Well, it's resentment. It might be hate. It might be feeling small. It might be feeling played. It might be feeling used and abused. And my question is, how long can you survive like that? Mm. When you have the option available to you to thrive, 
to be in healthy relationships that feel good where there's clarity, right? When you have that option available to you, why would you choose the option of, I am going to continue the relationship pattern that does not make me happy, that doesn't bring me, bring me any bliss, that actually, actually brings me into a descent. And so the question is, how do I set a boundary? You have to reclaim it with inside of yourself that you're worthy of it. Hmm. That's step one. Then step two, if we're talking about from the communication model standpoint, you have to communicate clearly what your boundary is. Now, the question is, well, what if it's my mom? What if it's my dad? That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter who it is. What matters is you have an inner conflict because another person around you is putting you in a situation that is asking you to compromise yourself, compromise your energy, your bank account, your ability, whatever it may be. Your duty is to speak up. That doesn't mean scream. That doesn't mean yell. That doesn't mean, oh, oh you better respect my boundary or I'm going to do this. You don't, you don't threaten people when you're setting boundaries. You don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You can be cool, calm, and collected. And you can just honestly look a person right in their eyes and say, no, I cannot do that. Hey, can you, I know you just got paid, you know, you make more money than me. So can you just help me, you know, 120 bucks to, I can't help you with that. Yeah, but I just need, look, I just need to get this. I can't help you with that. Okay, so how do you practice your boundaries? Because you get in a situation where you know ahead of time, you're going to say to yourself, this is my new boundary with this person. They always put me in this situation. So I'm going to say X, Y, Z. Okay, but then you get in the situation and you freeze. Okay, so the reason that you freeze is because you are in the habit of going back to the old behavior. See, life is about patterns. Mm. So you want to repeat the pattern you're used to where you silence yourself, where you choose codependency, where you choose a lesser minimized version of yourself. But the reason you're freezing is because in that moment, you're actually starting to listen to yourself. Because now you're listening to yourself and you're saying, hey, no, don't, don't do, hey, don't agree to that. Hey, stop that. Hey, hey, that's the old you. And so you freeze. It's almost like a computer that's doing too much work. So you Mm -hmm. freeze for a second because you're fighting between your old self and who you want to be in this future. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what practical strategy can you use? You can use a strategy called visualization. So what you'll do is for the next 14 days, you know what? Double time it for the next 28 days. When you wake up in the morning, you're going to go into the mirror and you're going to use affirmations. What are affirmations? I am. They're phrases that just affirm a state of being. And so you go look in the mirror and what do you say? Well, your weakness at this moment is setting boundaries. So you're going to look yourself in the mirror and for 30 seconds, you're going to speak life into yourself. I am good at setting boundaries. I set boundaries that give me clear relationships. I will set the boundary with my mother. Why? Because I love her and she loves me and I need her to respect me. You fill it in for your story. So you practice this every morning for the next 28 days. And as a consequence of affirming your boundaries, affirming your voice, affirming the full version of you, those boundaries will come into play in your relationships. Now, last thing I'm going to say on boundaries is this. Look at boundaries. There's two ways you can look at it. You can look at it like a wall. And boundaries like a wall are literally meant to keep people out. Hmm. 
But in the relationships where we love people and we care about them and we just want the interaction to go a little bit differently, where we just need to be respected, we just need to be heard and understood, our boundaries are not walls, they are doors. Hmm. And all doors can be opened and closed. And so when you're setting a new boundary with someone in the relationship, you're inviting them into your house to interact with you in a very particular way. And so it's important to remember that you know, someone who's just outright trying to cause you harm. Yeah. You set a wall boundary with them. Like, Hey, stay, I stay away from those people. I no, we're not going over there because, okay. But with the family members, with, with husband, with wife, with people we really care about, it's not a wall. We're not trying to keep them out. In fact, the reason that we're creating the boundary is because we seek more intimacy. We seek more connection, but we need them to go through our door because if you go through our door, then that's how I know I'm safe with you. And I can be myself. Mm. And that's powerful to go through the door because most people feel like a boundary is, is the close part where it's just, where like, we're just, a, we're apart and I'm not going to talk to you and that's it, but it doesn't have to be so open and closed, like you said. And that, and, and that was the perfect way to say it. It's a door, especially when it comes to your, your, your loved ones. And when I speak to people, that's, that's exactly what they say. I love these people, but they don't, whenever we get around each other, it's just, it's arguments, it's strife, right? It's stress. You know, it's just a lot of just different things for whatever those dynamics are. And it's like, I just need a break. But like, how do I tell them that I, I need that, right? Without being offensive, right? And for a lot of us, um, we're not comfortable with saying no. Um, even I think for me, you know, I'm, I'm 37, right. And last year was the first year I was ever comfortable with saying no, that's a long time, you know? Um, and I just learned the freedom in that, you know, and, and because especially as, as men, like you want to be problem solvers, you want to be there for everybody. You want to be that person for everybody and saying no for me was hard because of the disappointment that that I would know would occur in everybody else so I always said yes and then last year something clicked within me and I just said I I don't have it to give it I don't and I knew I was at my wits end with certain things and just even just my my mental health my emotional health I said "I, I don't have it right and I had to say no right and in doing so I was like man, like that was one of the most freeing things that I think I've ever done yet. It's so simple, but it's, it was one of the hardest things though, just to say two little letters and that's just no. Um, And what my mom always used to say is, you know, I mean, growing up is they'll, they'll find a way, right. They'll always find a way to get it done with or without you, you know, but you always feel like you have to be the one. And I, and I think that's for us, it's, I don't know if it's a superhero complex, it's, or it's just, we, it's guilt or a mixture of everything that we feel like we have to be everything to everybody. Um, but you're right though. Um, saying no, right. I cannot do that. And no, I can't accept that. Like that's, and that's perfect. And that's why when I read this excerpt from your book about no, you know, I do not accept that. Right. Like that to me, I was just like that, see that that's where I was at last year and more people need to see that and, and and more people need to understand that so i appreciate you breaking that down for us appreciate it um so 
when it comes to safe spaces, right? I'm I'm a big proponent of creating safe spaces, um, especially for you know family, of course, and and you and your could be your significant other, whatever the case is. But I'm also especially for men, you know. Um, for a lot of us, you know, we suffer in silence, you know, for uh, for years, you know, and you'd be and you would probably know this um, better than a lot of people. But for a lot of us, we don't have that space where we can go to be vulnerable. And to me, vulnerability is the key to healing. It's a, it's the key to forgiveness. It's just the key to a lot of just various different things in, in our lives. So when it comes to safe spaces, I try to make it a point to create safe spaces for the men that I meet in my life. You know, whether that be my, my brother, my, my guy friends, like you need to talk and it's easy to, you know, go out with your friends, party, party with your friends, watch Super Bowl, sporting events, basketball games with your friends, drink with your friends, drink with your boys, right? Like that's what we do. We go to barbershop, all that stuff. Right. But when it comes to real life issues, there's no safe spaces. And the person that you're partying with every single weekend could be going through su- suicidal thoughts, mental health issues, and you'll never know it because they're they're with you like this, partying and doing all this with you, but they go back home and cry and want to take their life, right? Um, so when it comes to creating safe spaces um, for anybody, but especially us, us men, right? Like, what is your process for creating safe spaces for the people around you? And how important do you think that is for us? Whatever you seek in life, you have to you have to be a place of welcome for it. Mm. You know, it's so interesting to me when I hear people say things like, "There's just no more real people anymore." It's like, well, you're actually speaking up on your own reality. Mm. It's like, oh, there's no good man, right? That's your reality. That's mm. not actually the reality. That's your personal reality. That's your personality. Mm. You have developed a life that is a mirror of what you're saying. And so whatever we seek, we have to be a, a home for it. We have to we have to make that for other people, you know. And so when we speak of like making a safe space, we ourselves have to be a safe space for other people because the thing that we want, we're not going to just go out in the world and find it. We have to be it. So, you know, in my world, I'm in a men's group. We meet once a week and um, we talk about every subject, every, every subject. Uh, we talk about masculinity. We talked about think different things in the news. Um, we talk about how we can integrate our different emotions and stories. We mm. support each other as we go through. Like one of the guys in the group, his mom just had a stroke this weekend. Mm. So so he flew back home to be with her. So we're reaching out to him every day. Hey, how can we support you? How can we show up for you? What do you need? Mm-hmm. You know, another one of the guys in the group, he just had a podcast where he he broke a story um, about this guy that was, you know, abusing women, essentially. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I texted him last night, like, you know, it's brave of you to do that. You know, let me know if you need support, how I can show mm-hmm. up for you. So, you know, in our 30s, that's that's kind of the goal there is to create like these integrated spaces where, you know, like you say, like we need to be able to have every conversation. And <clears throat> perfect example, you know, I went out with a group of guys this weekend First time I've been to the club in like three years, man. It was interesting. <laughs> and I'm sober. I don't drink. So it's different. You know, oh, yeah. No. So okay. I'm I'm over here like I'm buying bottles and stuff. I don't even drink. <laughs> I'm just, I just need I'm an introvert. So I need the table because I can't just be walking around the club uh, and okay. by all these people. So I <laughs> right. you know, so they're like, Y'all want to get a table? I'm like, Yeah, we need a table because yeah. <laughs> I can't yep. just be out here, everybody's sweating and stuff. And you know, then if you're around people who are drinking, then you know, people get lost. It's just a lot going on, you know. Yeah. So like I'm in the club 
with these guys, uh, we went to lunch, we went to dinner, like we were just together all day. And the whole day, we're having these real conversations, you know, about mental health, entrepreneurship, how's your family doing, like very, very real conversation. And so for me personally, it's a requirement. Like I can't just, you can't just be my party friend. You, you know, I can't just, no, we need to be able to have all the conversations. If you're going to come to me and ask me, who's better, LeBron or Kobe or Mike? Yeah. Cool, we can, we can do that. But also when I say, brother, how are you doing? I need an honest, real answer from you. And if mm -hmm. you don't give me that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to that. I'm going to ask you again. So how mm -hmm. are you doing? Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. When we went out, um, I was very disappointed in one of, one of the guys that I went out with because uh, he decided to drive home drunk. Now, from my origin story, my, my dad got a DUI when I was a young kid. And that's one of the, um, that's one of the catalysts to our family breaking up. So for me, I take drinking and driving very seriously. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm sober. I don't drink at this point in life. I don't drink maybe right. one day, but not right now. Right. So as you know, everyone's dispersing. People are trying to get Ubers. People are, you know, and so I'm checking on my, because I know I'm about to get home safely. That's one mm -hmm. of my rules. If I go out, I have to get home safely. That's a rule. Mm -hmm. And so I said, hey, man, how are you going to get home? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to drive. And I was like, no, the fuck you're not. <laughs> Give me a second to figure out where, you know, right. I was about to call an Uber for him. Right. So there was like, you know, big, big, a lot of people in our group. We had a big group. So, you know, I'm sitting here getting everybody situated and, um, Next thing I know, he's gone. Mm. He's mm -hmm. gone. And so I call him. I'm like, I call him. I leave him a voicemail. I text him. No response. Mm. No response because he knew. He knew what was going to happen. He knew mm. what I was going to say. Right. So, you know, I go, I, I finally get home. I finally got everybody else home, got everybody else in their Ubers. And um, the next day I get a text from him. And he's just like, hey, man, I just want you to know I'm really sorry. Like, I have to be better. And so... Mm. It's in these moments when we're talking about safe spaces, it's in these moments where we have to make sure that we're showing up as our full self. Mm -hmm. Because I could just say, okay, I accept your apology, that's great. But on the inside, I was furious. Right. Because he's too smart to make decisions like this. He has too much going for himself to make decisions like this. He has too many people counting on him to make decisions like this. So a part of creating safe spaces for people is inviting them in there and inviting them to come up to their highest level. And I said, he, he said, I know what I have to do to get better. I said, what do you have to do? Mm. Like, don't, don't just apologize. Right. Don't just, no, no, no. What do you have to do? He goes, uh, I need to stop drinking. And I say, you don't have to stop drinking to have fun. You don't have to stop drinking to get better. I said, right. but what you do need is a playbook of decisions that you're going to make when you do drink. And when drinking comes up, the second you take a drink, your instant play needs to be, all right, I'm getting an Uber or I'm getting a hotel. And it's so, it's so funny that people who are drinking and driving are often people who can afford the Uber, who can afford the cab, who can afford the cab and in this, or can afford, you know, a ride home or a mm -hmm. hotel. And so I met him with an invitation to show me his best self. And then in the next message, we were texting him. The next text I told him, it was more soft. It was more gentle. It was more, hey bro, whatever type of support you need, hmm. you need to let me know. Don't just text me, don't just talk. If you need help, call me, hmm. you know? So that 
is holding that like masculine energy of like, okay, show me what you're gonna do. Right. And also holding that space like, you made a mistake, you owned up to it. Mm-hmm. Now, if I can help you, I can help you. Right. You know, and that's that's the, that's the other part of safe spaces too. Is like, we need help. You know, and and mm-hmm. so we got to make sure that we're inviting people to be better, to be their best. But we also got to understand people will struggle. And so it's like, how do I show up for you? How do I support you? Is a big question that we ask in our men's group. And I ask all the men that I know is like, how do I support you in this moment? Mm. You know, so, and that's I hope that answered it. Oh, no, 200 percent. And and what you said is powerful um, because there's an accountability piece. Right. And then there's a grace, too. There, there's there is a grace that goes along with that as well, because we're, we are imperfect people. You know, um, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. But at the same time is especially as men, it's like, hey, listen, you did mess up and you acknowledge that you messed up, which is great. But now what's the next step after that? Right. Because we don't want to lose you. Right. Like we don't want to read one day or like, oh, you know, so and so got, you know, dead in a car accident. Right. Or, you know, or is in the hospital or God forbid, killed somebody else. Right. Right. Because that happened to a, a, a friend of mine. He got killed by a drunk driver, right? Mm-hmm. And these are things that that do happen often. And sometimes when you've gotten away with things all the time, exactly. then you start, you start to believe, you know what? I'm. It's it's never going to be me. It's never going to be me um, until it is you, right? In this particular situation. And I do like that you that you're in a men's group, and you know, and I encourage, you know, a lot of us out there, especially us, you know, black men to be in, in these men's groups and, and to, and to be able to find one in your area, you know, um, because it's amazing when I would go out and do speaking of events and things like that, when I would do women events, events for women, people, I mean, the women would come out, they would come out and and I'd be like, wow, this is is amazing. And one day Mm -hmm. I, I, I did a men's, I did a men's event and when the women were in the other room, the raws were there. Oh my, like they were, and they were in there. And my group was just, it was like, it was like eight of us, you know? Right. And, and I'm like, man, you know? Um, so it's just something that we do need. Um, and it's hard for sometimes for men to be able to communicate too. I think that's an, another reason why men don't do the groups. And sometimes they don't like, you know, talking about various different things. It's, it's that communication piece, Right. Because men were, when we grew up, it was like, you know, don't talk, don't, don't communicate, you know, that's what women do, right? And, you know, stop acting like a, you know, and, and these are the things that we were just forced down our, our, our throats, right? But then when you turn around and, and you're 25, 30, 35 years old, everybody is looking at you and says, well, why don't you know how to talk? Why don't you know how to communicate? Why don't you know how to uh, um, communicate your feelings and, and emotions? And, and, and it's just like, but but you, but you told us that that's not what men do. But now when we're older, it's, it, this is what a man is, is supposed to do. And this is what a man is, is supposed to be. So, um, so I think a lot of it also starts when we're younger. It's also trying to get to the younger generation of young men too, to let them know the complete opposite of what we were told. Right. Yeah. Um, but our, our responsibility isn't like it is, it is to tell, to tell them that, you know, it's okay to be yourself and to, to be honest and to be able to communicate and to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But it's more important that we begin to model that versus just saying, do this. Right. It's kind of like, I remember growing up in a Christian household and I remember the hypocrisy that I would observe. 
is mm. on Sunday morning between the hours of, of nine and 11, everyone's perfect. You guys are praising God and all of these things. But the rest of the week, <laughs> the behaviors I saw didn't align with what you were preaching on Sunday morning. And it, it's just hypocrisy. So for us who are in our 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, what we have to do is integrate the things that we want to give to the younger generation mm -hmm. and model it, you know, and mm -hmm. it really doesn't have to ever be said. It just needs to be modeled because just like you watched younger men, you know, older men when you were younger, they're doing the same thing with us. I have a son. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, I am very mindful of what I say, but he watches everything. Mm -hmm. He watches everything I do. Mm -hmm. So modeling is way more important than what you say. Hmm. And the, I mean, it's like the old saying, right? The actions speak louder than the words, right? Um, which is good. And and giving, well, you know, and, and, and I also do believe, um, like you have a son, right? So it's just giving him, right, the permission to be authentically him and to express, right? I think that's also super important too, right? It's just because, you know, lucky for, for me, I'm blessed. I was blessed enough to be raised by, you know, both parents to who wanted me to be authentically me and to express myself and the communication piece. And they taught me, listen, communication is going to be the key to life in any react, you know, in, in any interaction, whether it be business relationships, like you've got to be able to express yourself in a healthy way, not always in an angry way. And, and, and I find that it seems like anger is the only expression that's acceptable for a man to express like it's normal right but sadness or you know other things emotions tears and things like that it, it's like that's not what men do but anger is perfectly okay right um but you know i think that um you know you are an example and you are doing an amazing job and if, if you have a son and you have a son and, and he's my and he's modeling and you're modeling for, for him not gonna make he's gonna be an amazing man uh when he grows up so because he has a great example um in in you um which brings me to men, uh, men and vulnerability. Um, this is always a, a topic for, for me um, because I think it's super important for us to, as men, to talk about vulnerability, right? And to, to, to be able to express vulnerability. Um, and it's like, for, for, for me, I don't, I don't have children yet. Um, but for me, the one thing I think that if, if I was blessed with a son, um, the one thing I would express to him and, and like you said, show him, you know, is the vulnerable side, right? You know, um, um, uh, uh, my dad, God bless his soul. Um, he was a great man and mirrored him in action and everything. He was compassionate. But the one thing was when it came to affection, right? He was army guy. You know, uh, you shake my hand like a man. Um, there, there weren't any hugs. There weren't any things like that. It was very just that's what we do, Right. And I, and I think the vulnerability piece for, for me and, and what I would do differently um, is make sure that my son will get the hugs, right? And let him know that, that you know, he's loved in a, a different way, right? Um, so when it comes to men and, and, and vulnerability, where do you see the area of opportunity uh, for us um, to kind of change the tide um, when it comes to the talking piece of, of vulnerability? Yeah, that's a that's a big question. First, I just want to acknowledge your vulnerability and sharing, you know, the pieces about your dad. 
Uh, I relate to that. My dad was also in the army. So, you know, up up at 6 a.m., get to work. It wasn't like a hug or a kiss. Like, hey, hope you have a good day at school. It was like, did you make your bed? You know, is your, are your shoes tucked? In? Like, it, it was more about discipline than it was about love. So <clears throat> I totally relate to that. Um, I would say that the question, at least when I'm thinking of it in this moment, is more of a more of a past, present, and future kind of answer. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you were to look into your past and look into your family system, is there a space for you to forgive your parents? You know, just acknowledging that they probably did the best that they could with the situation and information that they had at that time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I know it's easy to resent and, and be against your parents because it's like, oh, they didn't care about me. Well, they probably did. They probably did. They probably cared about you as much as they could. Mm-hmm. And just given their times and what they were up against, they probably showed up for you the best that they could, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, that may not be true for everybody, but for some people that may be true and, right. and finding healing in that. And so in the present, I feel like um, there is a reclamation of power when you can kind of just forgive your family system, forgive your parents. Mm-hmm. But then also when you're proactive, right? Because if I say, go get the bag, go get money, everyone is like, oh, well, I need money. Well, why do you need money? Oh, because, you know, I got to pay rent or mortgage. I got to get food and, you know, I want to go to the club and whatever else you guys are are seeking, what you're desiring. Mm-hmm. Um, but what if I told you that, you know, the reason that you're chasing money, you're looking for money is because of security. And you would say, okay, that's why I accept that. Mm-hmm. What if I said that touching your vulnerability is also going to help you feel more secure? Now, at first, you're going to be like, well, no, I'm, I'm not buying that. And then you're, I'm going to say, well, you're, you haven't been vulnerable, so you don't really know. Right. And then my invitation will be, well, in the present moment, I want you to try. Like, you will be more secure. And when you're more secure, you're less angry. This is what you, you talked about, anger. Mm-hmm. You're a lot less angry when you're very secure in who you are, when you're mm-hmm. very secure in who is showing up. When you go talk to a woman and she rejects you, instead of your reaction being, man, F you, you hmm why are you why are you acting that way it's because you're small it's because you're immature it's because you're not integrated it's because you are a little boy in a grown man's body mm. but when you go approach a woman and she's like oh yeah i'm not interested when you're securing yourself you say all right thank you for your time have a good day and you go on to the next why because when you're securing yourself you're in abundance mindset mm. you're not coming from a heal a hurt place you're in a healed energy Healed masculine energy is the, is the energy that runs the world, that needs to run the world. The hurt masculine energy, it just, it, it'll never go away, but that is what we are trying to counterbalance. Mm. I go to the gym every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Mm-hmm. I go to the gym for about two hours in the morning. When I go in there, all of the masculine energy that I got to get out, all the cursing, all the slamming <laughs> weights, I go in there and get it out. I really want to invite men to get in the gym, get in the best shape of your life. We're talking about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. I need to see you pushing 315 on the bench press. I need to see you pushing 315 on the squat. We want to talk about vulnerability. I need to see you stretching and opening up your hips mm-hmm. where you keep mm-hmm. your stress, where you keep your trauma and pain. 
you have tight hips, you have tight glutes, you have your, your, your shoulders are rounded because you're on your phone all day, because you're on your computer, you really want to be vulnerable, open up your posture. Mm-hmm. Stop sitting so much. I need you to stand. I need you to breathe. I need you to get connected through, through meditation. I do meditation every day. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the world is triggering. It is. And so you, you have a choice. You walk around the, in this world and let people trigger you, which means they control you. Mm-hmm. Or you get grounded and you get centered. You go ask the average black man right now, hey, if a white man walks up to you right now and says the N-word, what are you doing? Now, we know that that word is triggering. We know that this is a hot topic. We know that pretty much every answer is going to be, oh, I'm going to do this and da 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 but, And to be fully transparent, I've done all the things that you, you, you would think of. That was a, a lesser, less integrated, less regulated version of me. Hmm. If that was to happen to me now, my invitation to him would be, please get out of my face. Mm. He will get a calm response from me. Get out of my face. His invitation would be to respect the boundary of where I am. Just leave me alone. That's all I'm asking. Just leave me alone. My initial response would not be, let's fight. Let me mm-hmm. prove him a lesson. Let me slap him. No, because my, that, my trigger doesn't work that way. Now change the situation. Someone walks up to me and they put their hands on me. Okay, well, that's a different situation. You've changed Mm -hmm. the situation now. Now it's not a trigger, it's self-defense. I have to defend myself. That's a different situation. You ask the average man where they want to be in, you know, a year. I I hate the question when people are like, where do you want to be in five years? I can't even think about like five days. It's too far. It's too (laughs) long for me. But a year, you ask them where Mm -hmm. they want to be in a year. They're going to talk to you about their career. Okay. And we're taught to seek safety through the career. Mm-hmm. And what I hope to do with just my work in general and, and, and everything that I'm representing is to teach people that you can find safety in nature. Mm-hmm. You can find safety in seeing how strong you can be. Go run 10 miles, go lift, go swim. I want people, I'm a former professional athlete. I want people to reconnect with physical fitness, with movement, for all the benefits, for all the skeletal benefits, the, mm-hmm. the psychological benefits, everything, the hormonal balancing of your testosterone, all of that. So in conclusion, to be vulnerable, get off the couch, get off social media, go for a walk, read some books like you're doing, listen to podcasts like this, start a men's group, and invite yourself to your highest version. And will it be easy? No. But is it necessary? 100%. Mm. I can't say it better myself. Um, and, 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 that's, and, and that is exactly um, just the kind of response um, that we need, right? Because vulnerability um, is, is multifaceted, right? It, it looks different for everybody, um, especially men. And I love the example that you gave. You know, if, if somebody did, you know, walk upon you and, and said the N-word, what would your response be? And I would say probably say 9.5 times out of 10, we know what that response is, you know, uh, it is, is going to be, but do you have the fortitude, you know, of restraint, right? Right. Because responding in that other way is only going to get you in trouble, right? It's only going to get you possibly locked up. I mean, you've seen it, you've seen it over and over again in every yeah. sport, 
every sport you see the linemen wrestling with each other, one lineman to push the other guy, and then the second guy who hits, the ref now comes in with a flag. And then he's like, oh, you didn't see him hit me first? No, <laughs> no. they never do. So, it, like, true power is restraint. Mm. How do you gain restraint in a moment when you're experiencing an elevated emotion? See, someone walking up to you and using a word that is culturally supposed to trigger you mm-hmm. is supposed to elicit an elevated emotion out of you. Anger, sadness, you know, all these emotions. And when people get in elevated emotions, they are typically not in control. So how do you control yourself when you are experiencing an elevated emotion? Well, there's only one way. Mm-hmm. Breathe. You breathe. Breathing brings you back to control. It brings you out of every elevated emotion. It brings you back to your body. It brings you to unison. Now, when you come to this non-elevated emotion, now you have a level head. Now you have the chance to tell this person, I don't know what your goal is, but just please leave me alone. I'm asking mm-hmm. for peace. Whatever, however you want to respond to them. Right. And and these are things that can be taken into relationships too. Um because there's, you know, there'll, there'll be times where you'll have heated arguments and people will try to say things to, you know, people know how to pressure buttons. And, and when people, and the funny thing that you just said, it, it just kind of clicked into my mind too, when every significant other knows how to normally how to press buttons, right? And say certain things that's going to trigger you, right? Because you're not in control of certain things, right? So what happens when you take that trigger away, right? You tend to take their power away from them, right? Because now we need to get back on topic to whatever that issue was that we really had and get back there to start solving these issues, right? Or conflict resolution, right? Because, you know, throw, throw, throwing shots in, in all of those things, that doesn't solve issues. It has nothing to do with conflict resolution, right? And, and what you said can save a lot of households too. Um, because if both people practice restraint, right, and are at peace, it'll be more about conflict resolution than me trying to hurt you. I have a very controversial opinion. Um, I don't believe that we should argue in relationships. Mm. I don't. That was modeled for me growing up. I saw mm-hmm. my mother and father argue um, all the time, mm. and nothing ever happened. So, you know, as part of my journey, when I went to um, I went to Northern Illinois University and studied communications, mm-hmm. I was very curious, like what the communication model is and how it worked and you know how we played our different roles in it and so Mm -hmm. i've been my partner for six or seven years and i would be lying if i would say that we've never ever had an argument of course we have um it's happened once or twice in a seven-year period and part of the reason is because we've integrated some uh, I won't even call them rules i don't want to call them boundaries i want to just call them practices Mm -hmm. that make it safe for us to speak and communicate when there is an elevated emotion. Now, in my heart, privately, I want to tell every man that I ever come across, you shouldn't be arguing with your woman. Mm -hmm. I know that that could come off a certain way. And I don't really care if it comes off a certain way. Mm -hmm. Because what I care about is you shouldn't be arguing with your woman. You 100%. This is just my opinion for me. Okay. This is what I want to tell my close guys. Um, what we should be doing is understanding the communication model. And I'll, I'll break it down for you. So mm-hmm. in communication, you have a sender and you have a receiver. You have two mm-hmm. people 
in a communication model typically. Me and you are talking right now. So as I'm speaking, I'm sending what's called a message. The message is coming to you. And what you're doing is you are encoding the message. So you are processing the message. Now, when you respond back to me, that's called feedback. Mm-hmm. Your response to what I'm saying is feedback. So that minimal thing that I just described is the communication model. Now, one of the things that exists on the outside of the communication model is called noise. So that could literally be noise or it could be you're thinking about something else. You're stressed from something else. Okay. And so when you realize that communication is just the model that I explained, then you realize what's actually important. What's actually important is trying your best to stay inside of the communication model. And so what does that mean? That means that at one point you're listening. So you need to own the role of being a listener. Hmm. Both hmm. people, you need to own that. You can't just wait for your turn to talk. You can't cut me off. Why? Because you're actually cutting the communication model. Hmm. Okay. So now I'll give you an example too. me and my girl. Um, we we're talking this morning. You know, and she was brought to tears by, um, she feels like she doesn't have enough alone time because she's with our son a lot. Mm-hmm. So I said to her, and this is something that men do, we, we do a lot. It took me a long time to learn this. We are often like, all right, cool. My girl's complaining about this or she's crying about this. Cool. As soon as she gets done, I'm going to hit her with this solution and we're going to move forward. Yo. And then... That usually doesn't work. <laughs> she rejects the solution. And then in your head, you're like, bro, this was a great idea. You told me this. Okay, I heard you. And then, okay, I calculated this. If we do this, boom, boom, boom. And then your girl's like, you're not even listening. <laughs> and then you're like, wait a minute. How am I not listening? I just gave you the best damn solution possible. You don't appreciate me. I'm going to just shut up. I'm, I'm just going to be quiet now, right? right We've right. all done this, right? Mm-hmm. So... What you got to model is this. My girl, she was crying. She got everything off her chest. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, okay, okay. You know, I'm listening. Giving not what you're you're shaking your head right now. That's called nonverbal feedback. You're paying attention. You're engaged. I'm like, okay, okay. So then I hit her with this question. I said, and keep in mind, we weren't arguing. Like the tone of voice wasn't high. We were just talking about something that was conflicted, but it was in a safe space. Mm. And I go, okay, I'm not 100% sure what you need right now. Do you need me to just hear you out and listen? Or do you want a practical solution? Because I do have that, but I don't need to give you that if that's not what you need right now. Mm -hmm. So she kind of thought about it for a minute and she was like, well, you know, if you don't hear where I'm coming from, I don't want your solution. So then in that moment, I was like, no, I 100% hear where you're coming from. Like, I get it. I was able to and, and listening, uh, that's a listening skill that's called aligning and empathizing. So I aligned, like I get it, I understand. I empathize, you got to make sure that you're genuine when, you're, when you empathize with someone. And then she was like, okay, well, you know, what's the solution? And if you hear how I mimicked her voice, what was that? That was a soft, feminine voice. And as men, what do we want? We claim we want soft, feminine women. But what do we do? A lot of the times we make our women interact with us in the masculine way that our brothers would interact with us. The arguing, the screaming, who's better? LeBron is better. Nah, Kobe better. (laughs) Nah, Mike got six. And then we we expect our women to interact with us. And then we say to our women, oh, I need you to be more more feminine. How? 
How is she supposed to be more feminine when you're creating a masculine frame for her to exist in? Mm-hmm. So when I did this with my girl, she was like, yeah, okay, I'd like to know, you know, what you got? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. This is what I think you should do. And she's like, okay, you know, and so she felt better now. Now her elevated emotion of crying was gone. Mm-hmm. She was in a space, she was seen, she was heard, she was aligned with, and mm-hmm. I was able to give her a practical solution. So, you know, is this completely easy? Yes, it's easy, but it's a choice. You have to, you have to choose that from basically the beginning. And if you mm-hmm. didn't choose that from the beginning, then both people need to understand that, hey, you know what? We're choosing this now. We're choosing to make this space now. And I know also, I just want to say this. I speak from, a, from mostly a heteronormative frame of view. I'm a man, I'm dating a woman. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that there's, you know, a lot of different types of people in the world who claim different things. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say that regardless of what you claim, this still works because this is just the generic communication model. So, you know, if you're mm-hmm. hearing this and you're like, well, I don't identify as a man or a woman. Cool. Remove that, mm-hmm. remove that and just look at the model itself. It works for everyone. And, and, and oh man, that is so funny, man, because um we we do that we want to provide solutions like as soon as it as soon as it hits us it's like it's transcribed in our brains solution and I, right. and it's just like i got it and that and and that is so funny i had a similar situation this weekend <laughs> um you know um and, some, and sometimes that's just not what the person needs you know sometimes they're, they're not looking for a solution sometimes they're not even looking for a solution sometimes they just want to be heard yeah right yeah and they might want to hug after they want to be able to vent, right? It's like, all right, they they, they might have the solution themselves, <laughs> right? But they just right. need to get it out because <laughs> yep. it, it was a frustrating day, and we're sitting here like, nah, I got you, I got what you need, and it, and and this sitting here like, man, this man don't got what I need right now, <laughs> right? I need him to listen and <laughs> shut up, right? yeah. Like he's you doing know, too did, much. Just made me think about something too. Is like sometimes okay, you come up with a solution for someone because you think it's going to help them. But you know what that might actually help? For them to suffer a little bit. Mm. And for them to figure it out on their own with while you're just supporting them from mm. a distance. Mm. Like we gotta give up this uh Clark Kent superhero mentality and just realize like suffering is actually okay. Oh, your mm. your phone's about to get cut off. I could give you this $120. <laughs> or I could let you see what you're made of. Mm. Maybe now you go pick up an Uber shift on Saturday, or maybe you don't even work more. Maybe you go and cancel six subscriptions that you're subscribed to that you're not using. And now you have mm. the money for your phone bill, or maybe mm-hmm. you recognize, you know, whatever the story may be. Mm-hmm. So there's power. And I say that, you know, in a, in a nice, the nicest way possible, right. there's power in letting people suffer. Mm. <laughs> and that's something that I've, I've, and I've I've learned that recently, but I mean, you know, for for most of me, it it was that complex that like, you know, I have to come in and swoop in and and take care of it and and be everything for everyone, and, and then sometimes you and then you're the one that sometimes left with not much, right? Um, but you're right though. That is that is oh man, that's so us men. Um, another excerpt from your book um, that I really like, it says, allow yourself to be free from repeating stories over and over that do not serve you. These stories do nothing but bring you into a lower vibration and they support the mindset and patterns that you 
don't want. They bring up the old emotions and trap you in a pattern. Respectfully, stop repeating these stories. Be mindful of the stories you tell yourself and others. Man, um, that is a mouthful. And as we go into this part of like the process of healing, like to me, this right here can help a lot of people because we are we do become sometimes the story that we tell ourselves, right? We can't lose the 40 pounds because I tell myself, oh, I can't get out there and 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 lift the weight. So I can't get out there and run. Or this is just me. This is just my body type. You know, my, my dad was big. My father was big. My mom was big. My brother was big. Oh, then we're just, you know, and you t- and you start to tell yourself this story um, about yourself, you know, or you tell yourself the story that somebody else said about you. If somebody told you, oh, like, you're never going to be anything, now you adopt that, and now you're starting to tell yourself that same story. Man, um, and it's such a profound excerpt from your book. Um, so when it comes to healing, like how, like, how does this part of repeating these stories kind of coincide with the process of actually healing? There needs to definitely be an acknowledgement that you know, we come from certain family systems and we develop certain attachment styles that um, help us form relationships in particular ways because we're seeking safety. Okay. Mm-hmm. I want to acknowledge that. And <clears throat> I want to acknowledge a particular mindset that I personally take. Everyone does not have this mindset, but I have this mindset that there's two people in the world, people who find excuses and people who find a way. Mm. And I've always been the type of person who, I want to find a way. Yeah. I want to find a way. I remember when I was in high school and I wanted to walk on to um, a division one football team. I wanted to play division one football because I wanted to play in the NFL. And I just remember my coach, uh, I went and asked him, I said, Hey, how come James, James was one of my teammates. He was my best friend in high school. I said, how come James gets letters from colleges every single day? You know, and I don't get nothing. (laughs) Like, I don't get anything. And, you know, it was in that moment where my coach had an opportunity to, you know, go a bunch of different ways with this vulnerable question that I asked him. Um, And his response was, I'll never forget this. It was like 88 degrees. I was in Palatine, Illinois. Um, And if you've ever been to Illinois in the summer, the humidity is very high. So, you know, I got my, my pads on, just sweating under the pads. And he goes... Well, Sly, you know, colleges don't want people like us. You know, we're, we're too short, we're too small, we're just not strong enough. Um, for context at the time, I was like 5'9", probably one, 155, you know, lean, <laughs> lean, 155, you know? <laughs> and uh, I was like, huh. And when he said that, I, I didn't take it in as if he was talking to me. Mm. I took it in as if he was just talking about himself out loud. And I was almost offended, like, how dare you Mm. tell me what I'm capable of? Mm. And this is what I want people to understand when it comes to healing, that you went through what you went through. Mm. You experienced what you experienced. Mm -hmm. My invitation to you is to reclaim your wholeness, meaning acknowledge everything that you went through. Acknowledge it all. Acknowledge the grief. Allow your community to witness the grief. Allow people to witness your pain and your sorrow. Mm. And this has to be an and. 
recognize that you have inherited strengths, that you have gifts, that you have skills, that there is something inside of you that a company is looking for, a partner is looking for, the world is looking for. Other people are looking for what you have. Mm. And it is your duty, it is your responsibility to practice, to hone your skills, to be in practice more of the things that you offer the world. Because your healing isn't just, well, this happened to me, let me, let me talk about it. Mm. It's this happened to me, talk about it. Show people, yeah, this happened to me. You know, it's okay. And you have to pursue your passions. You have to pursue your gifts. You have to cultivate your voice. You have to find your purpose. You, I, I believe we have multiple purposes in life. Mm-hmm. You have to find your purposes. That's healing. Healing mm-hmm. is saying, I'm going to be the most successful person I can be. Healing is saying, I'm going to be the best person that I can be. And then when you visualize yourself as that, multiply it by 10. And when you see that version of yourself, then it's like, okay, I got some work to do. Let's get started. That's how you heal. You see yourself as your best self and you release everything else that keeps you in the dumps. Mm -hmm. Okay, my mom and dad, they were alcoholics. Mm -hmm. Great people, alcoholics. So I'm destined to be an alcoholic. No, I'm not destined to be that. Well, alcoholism runs in the family. It's hereditary. Okay, I have compassion for anyone who may be struggling with that. Understand that this is an addiction. I understand that. I'm speaking for me Mm -hmm. personally. When I go to college, I didn't drink. They say, why don't you drink? You're a football player. We got all these girls around. No, I don't drink. Mm. Why not? Because I don't want to. Why not? Because in my mind, when I drink, I'm going to become my parents. So mm. I didn't drink. Mm. I turned 21. So at this point, I started college when I was 17. At this point, I'm in college two or three years now. I turned 21. I, very first time, I had a desire to drink. I went and told my friend, my best friend at the time, and his best friend at the time, I say, look, I'm very fearful to drink. But I know you guys are having a New Year's Eve party, and I want to give it a try. I told them. I was it's vulnerable. I was honest. I say, look, I come from a family system of alcoholics, but I want to try to drink with you guys because you guys are fun. You guys are safe. And I see you guys drinking. I don't see bad things happening when you guys are drinking. Right. When I was growing up, I would see very bad things happening. Very, very, very bad things happening. Mm-hmm. But when I see you guys drink, I'm around you. You guys just have fun. You're just yeah. making fun of each other, playing 2K, mm-hmm. playing Madden. You know, there's cute yeah. girls around. I'm like, it looks like a good time. Exactly. So I said, can you guys keep me safe in this environment? They said, Sly, I got you. They said, I got you. So I had my very first drink. My, this was like my sophomore, junior year in college. And I just, I'll never forget, remember my body heat up. You know, when you, you drink a little too much, your body <laughs> yeah. starts heating up. I'll never forget yeah. my body getting hot. Mm-hmm. And I like, I, and I, like if, you, if you remember like, um, what was his name? Flame On from Fantastic Four. Fantastic when he Four, did, yeah. Yeah, like I felt like torch. this fire just came yeah. over my body and like I'm drinking. This is the mm-hmm. first time I ever drink. And I like I'm like looking at my arms. I'm like feeling like they're on fire. I'm sweating. I'm like, man, what the hell is this? <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> you know, my head starts moving. And so I go ask my buddy. I never drank in high school or nothing like that. So I go right. ask my buddy. I'm like, hey man, I'm like, are these is this normal? Like, is this what drinking is? Right. And he's like, Yeah, like that's drinking. 
And then I just remember telling them, I'm like, man, I need to go get some tacos or something, bro. Cause this is not, this is not for me. This is not it. <laughs> he's like, he's like, all right, we'll get you some tacos. So it was freezing in, in Illinois. And we like, we went and walked to this, uh, uh, kind of like in New York, you guys have the bodega. We have like yeah. strip, we have strip malls in Illinois. Mm-hmm. So we like walk to the strip mall. The taco spot was open till like two or three. So we're, we're in there getting tacos. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget like, the very first time I got drunk, it was this New Year's. And I remember eating tacos and I remember telling myself, have fun with this. This is cool. This is okay. You're not going to be an alcoholic. And like I'm eating tacos, claiming my future reality. And I'm just mm. like, no, you're having fun. You're, you, can inter- you can engage with this safely. You have right. control over this, right? Mm-hmm. So I say all of that to say that whatever the family system is, Whatever the story is, whatever you lost, I think mm-hmm. you have to grieve it. You have to mm-hmm. grieve it. We have we don't we don't grieve enough. You gotta grieve it. You gotta honor it. You gotta bring it to your heart. You know, you gotta have conversations about it. And then after that, you gotta reclaim your power. You gotta get busy. Mm. You gotta get in the gym and you gotta start swimming. You gotta mm-hmm. chase your purpose. You gotta drink water. You gotta stay hydrated. You gotta eat really good food. Why? Because doing all of these things brings you into a higher vibration. And I want people listening to this to be their absolute best self. Mm. And wow, <laughs> man, that's, that's that's a funny story about tacos. Oh man, like you get hungry when you you know, like especially when you drink a little bit, like you get really hungry, man. Some tacos and the bodegas the sandwiches, like you know, it's, it's they all they always hit at the right time, man. Right. <laughs> um, but you're right about being your best self. Um, I think we all have the power to you know to be our best selves you know, if we put our minds to it, right. And we, and we do the right things and and we put in the work, you know, and I think you're right about grief. You know, I think one, a lot of people don't understand grief. Um, and we tend to just hide from grief, right. And we mask it, right. Or we'll drink it away or you'll might, yeah. if you do drugs, you, you drug it away or, or you work it away. Right. Mm. You know, you'll, you'll start working the 60, 70 hours a week on your business or your nine to five and you'll mask yeah. it. So all we, we really just put a mask right over all of the grief and say, oh, I'm good. I'm fine. But it's still living. It has rent. It pays rent right back here. And then there's going to be a trigger that's going to bring it right to the forefront um, of your mind. And it's going to just. Poof, right. Yeah. And, and that could. And, but the crazy thing is that could be years three years, four years, five, if you don't handle grief and, and it's not that grief will go away. Cause there are certain things that with grief, we have to learn how to manage the grief, right? It just right. depends on what the situation is. You know, it's like I said, my dad passed. Is, is that something I'm ever going to just get over? No, I, you manage it though. Like you manage the grief. Um, you, you acknowledge the grief. Like you said, you deal with it. And I, I I don't know what your stance is on therapy, um, but for me, like I'm an advocate for therapy. If if you need it, don't be afraid of it. I know a lot of us in the black community, you grew up that wasn't the thing, you know. Like you, it says, you know, what happens in this house stays in this house. But then what happens in this house stays in this house, and then it goes to the next house, and then the next house, and then the next house in each generation, right? Um, so for me, I, I say, if you need it, don't be afraid of 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 going to get that help, right? Um, you know, but if you need safe spaces, seek safe spaces, seek the groups, you know, if it's a men's group, if it's a woman's group, whatever it is that you think you feel comfortable um, in doing, that's going to get you to your best self, get in the gym, drink water, like you said, meditate, um, stretch, 
you know, I, I, I find that, you know, as I get older, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there yet, but as I get older, stretching is essential because I remember, I think it was last year I rolled out of bed and caught an injury and I was just like, time out, like, wait a minute. Like I, I just rolled out of bed. Like, yeah. and I was like, well, how does this hurt? You know, <laughs> like, you know, but that doesn't happen when you're in your twenties, you know what I'm saying? Like you get up, cop up and you're good, you know, but stretch, you know, like, and there's something really incredible about stretching. Like you said earlier, open up those hips and things like that. Like that stuff feels incredible to me now. And it makes me feel a little older than I am, but it just, it does. Right. Um, but listen, I'm, I'm glad that you're on the right path and I'm glad that people have access to books like this. Um, loving yourself probably again, um, please go pick that up. Um, I know it's on Amazon and it's also on your site, uh, as well um and and if people want to, to to see a quote please follow this man i mean um if you don't know who he is i don't know how you don't know i, I mean a lot of people's on his social media you know what i'm saying he's in it because he's that um in, incredible um and what's your uh social media handle just my full name sylvester mcnutt simple yeah, enough can, yeah find me everywhere with that i have uh the podcast and do mm-hmm. videos on youtube and I tweet often, like I'll just randomly jump on Twitter and just tweet my thoughts and obviously mm-hmm. on Instagram. So wherever you guys are at, I know there's a, a lot of distracting things on social media, but mm. I try to I try to make sure that my social media space is always inviting you back to you, you know, and so mm. I try to put up good videos and, and good quotes that just remind you to just live a beautiful life, you know, work on your healing, keep good people in your corner and uh, mm-hmm. just enjoy life, man, you know, just have fun. It's true. And, and I can attest to that. Whenever I see a, a quote from from Sylvester, it's it's like, man, like that was it's always something profound. It's always something positive. And it's always something that, that you can take with you. Right. And in the social media world where there's a lot of distractions, like you said, you know, a lot of you know, good things. But then there's also, other, you know, excuse me, there's also other things, you know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. that can distract you and the news and social media can make you grieve i mean let's let's be honest <laughs> like social yeah. media between the news of all of everything it's, going on it's right? designed it's to make you sad the <laughs> apps are designed to make you sad because on one in one aspect they're designed to get you to compare yourself or to want mm-hmm. what you see mm-hmm. and wanting what you see if it's unattainable is going to trigger sadness mm-hmm. and then on the other end a lot of the headlines see we're not we're not meant to digest world news we on a human level are meant to digest com- i can never say this word uh news from the community i was going to say mm-hmm. community communal there we go communal mm-hmm. you know um there was this um there was a psychologist who said um, his name is slipping my brain right now but he said that we, we can typically digest between 100 to 130 people in our network right so when you think about it you're following 700 people or a thousand people and then every single day you log in your news feed is doing this right and you're getting well this happened in korea this happened in texas this happened in fayetteville this happened in new york and it's like hold on why do you guys think that i can digest all this information and so what happens because if you're an empathetic person if you care now you heard about this thing happened in dallas you're hurt this mm. thing happened in Israel, you're hurt. This thing happened in Toronto, you're hurt. And so you're just dealing with all this pain, but then social media itself is not a safe vessel for you to process the things that you're even going through the, or the news. You're not even able to process it. Typically, let's say I bring you bad news. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, here's some bad news for you, right? 
as a friend, as a supporter, as a community member, I can sit with you in that bad news. Uh-huh. I can sit with you in your grief. But social media or the news is just like, these seven people got killed. Deal with it. And it's like, wait a minute. Or even worse, you'll go on there and you'll see a video of something happening, Oof. which will trigger you, especially if you grew up in a home where, let's say, there's violence uh-huh. or sexual abuse. And then you see a video of this. And it's like, wait a minute. There was no even buffer for this. Mm. Like imagine growing up in a home or not just a home, but just imagine growing up being a victim of sexual abuse. And then you just come on Twitter to see inspirational quotes. And then all of a sudden you're saying, oh, well, this person is being charged with. It's like, mm. why? This is a triggering world. So, uh-huh. for you know, I love using social media because it connects me directly with people who may be interested in what I'm doing. But I caution everyone to develop healthy boundaries with social media just to mm. make sure they're not taking in things that are triggering them, making them sad, uh, spending way too much time on there. You know, the phones are beautiful now where you can actually put your limits right in there. I have them on my phone and I use them for business. I use those apps for business, you know, and so when I get my trigger, hey, it's been 37 minutes. I pick random numbers like that. <laughs> and so they'll be like, hey, it's been 37 minutes. Uh, are you sure you want to keep using this? And then it's like, uh, you know what? I'm going to delete this. Mm-hmm. Or like I was talking about Twitter, for example. This morning, I downloaded Twitter, put up a couple tweets. I deleted the app off my phone. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Another good practice is I start my office hours every day from Monday through pretty much Monday through Thursday or Monday through Friday. Uh, I'll go from 12 to 3. The beginning of my day is all about me. But 12 to 3, that's when I start my office hours. 12 to 3, my cell phone is off. I power it off. So that way, no matter what, I'm getting three hours of pure clarity. There's no distractions. Mm. You know, so that that practice, I feel like, is very helpful for people, too. Oh, and I, I'm taking notes, <laughs> um, you know, especially with social media, you know, because I, I think, uh, you know, I, I do encourage people to unfollow accounts that can trigger you. Um you know, sometimes we try to just follow accounts that can uplift and inspire you, right? Um, and kind of avoid the negative things um, that are out there. But it is a good idea, like you said, to kind of put certain time limits and time restraints, you know, um, you know, on your social media. So like you can get those open minders. Hey, it's been 30 minutes, man. Like, you sure you want to continue? You know, right. <laughs> um, and, you know, and also that could be time that you could be working on yourself you know going to the gym or or working on your business or whatever that means or what that looks like for you um that's something too right so you know definitely you bring up a lot of um incredible um on points in this whole show um and and i'm sure that a lot of people will will be blessed by this um and learn a lot from it man um um and that's exactly why i, I wanted you to have you on the show and i'm so appreciative of your time um i know that uh you got to get out of here um i've probably taken up a little more of of your time um but i do appreciate you um coming on a conversation of, of the heart um and thank you and everybody please follow him follow us sylvester buy his book and take a look at the other, you know, I mean, he's, he's a nine time author y'all. So he's got eight more, he got eight more in the chamber. So, you know, after you get this one, you know, take, take a look through the, his whole collection and he's, he's, and he's got bundles on his website. He's got different things set up on his website that you can uh, have access to all of his, his content, support him. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm going to. So Sylvester, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for doing this, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you.